0: sound booth. Uh, Really have to work hard at stuff like that. But the blessing of a godly marriage and I'm not going to go into all the uh, the details of defining a bunch of stuff about marriage. I just we just want to look at the practical side of uh, some things and it's just it's really good to see all of you. And I have especially enjoyed the series in Acts, and I know that many of you have communicated that to me as we have enjoyed that uh, series being taught by our new associate pastor, Will Swim, and I've expressed to him our personal gratitude, um, our personal gratitude for them, the family coming and joining us in the ministry here at North Belt Baptist Church. And uh, it is just obvious to me that we are blessed to have someone that enjoys and loves preaching the word of God like he does. And I'm so thankful. So today the Lord has led on my heart a little different message, break away from a a series, um, but I hope it will find it practical and some practical insights that will help us and encourage us. Now, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version so, because so many of you have heard our story, but some haven't. So I'm going to give just enough information uh, that will kind of lead into some of the truths that we're going to look at uh, concerning a, the blessings of a godly marriage. Linda and I will celebrate 53 years of uh, marriage this coming Wednesday on the 20th and um, I often we get to eat out some and so I often will challenge our waiter or waitress and say uh, if you can guess how many years we've been married I will increase your tip (laughs) but you have to get it right on the money and it's amazing that a lot of them really a lot of them really get into it. I mean, we were at a group thing with the fields and his birthday uh, for one of Rod Edwin and Sashi's uh, children, and so we were at this restaurant, and I did that. And there were about three of them. They're over there, really trying hard to come up with it, and no one's ever gotten it. And they always seem to come up short because Linda looks so young, and uh, but no one's ever gotten it right on the money. Now, the, as we tell them, though, 53 years, I would say almost 100% of the young people and the people that have waited on our tables have said something similar to this. I don't know anybody that's ever been married that long. In fact, some of them say, I don't even know anybody married. And um, then the next question often sometimes will follow. They'll say, what is the key? to your success. And immediately, without hesitation, without even thinking about it, I just tell them, Jesus Christ. And and that's true, but there's a whole lot more that I want to share today uh, from the Word of God. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're hoping this will be an encouragement to everyone Everyone, and I think these principles, these truths, these things can be applied whether you're married or single, because it doesn't change the Word of God, some of the things we're going to point out, and it can be applied, and I think, I think it would be beneficial, and, and, and we can be very uh, excited about God's Word together. So let's begin in 521, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also so loved the church and gave himself for it, that, it might, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church and having spot, not a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Some very powerful truths that I would challenge all of us to pour over these and learn and go deep, figure out, study everything you can about what this is saying. We're not going to try to even get to all of it today, but I just wanted to bring out just a few uh, practical things that my wife and I have learned through these uh, 53 years that we're approaching, And, and our heart is that it would be an encouragement to each one. So let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the fact it's perfect and complete. And we just thank you that, that we have access to it. Such easy and ready access. And we, can, we have the Holy Spirit. If, we've, if we're born again, we've been saved. We have the Holy Spirit and, and we have uh, him to teach us. And so I pray that all of us, married or single, Uh, Father, that we would dig deep into your word, that we would study, that we would uh, cry out to you for direction and wisdom, and Lord, that we would learn certain things that would help us in our relationship with people and with each other. And so I just pray now that you would uh, just accomplish your will. You knew before the foundation of the world that I'd be standing here today preaching this message And you knew who would be here and who would be listening and watching. And I pray that you would accomplish your will and bring glory and honor to yourself. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Linda was saved at eight years old. I was saved at 18 years old in Navy boot camp. And this is again, I'm giving the the quick version here because so many have already heard our story. But at 10 years old, she was at a a camp, Christian camp, and she felt like and believed that God had called her to be a pastor's wife at that time. And um, so as she grew up and as I went off to the military, we're... You know, she's at San Jacinto Junior College, finishing up her last day, and I am back home from Vietnam. I'd, been, I'd spent 13 months in Vietnam. My tour of duty was over the day before I became 21. They let me, they released me, and I was out. So my Navy buddy and I enrolled in San Jack Junior College, and I had just failed a test, which was pretty common in my life. And um, uh, so I'm walking out the front door, the front entrance of the college there. And there's this fountain there. And Linda was walking around the fountain, reminiscing. It was her last day. She was now transferring to Sam Houston. And I just walked out and bold as I could be. I saw her over there and I saw a beautiful young lady. I saw her smile and I just totally no one introduced us. We didn't know each other. I walked up to a total stranger and I asked her what she was so happy about. And she said, "I'm always happy." And I again, I think very boldly, said, "Well, how about a date?" How about a date? I'd like to go out with somebody that was that's happy. And uh, I was I was dating a girl from Pasadena. And she was actually dating a young man, a very fine young man, a uh, pastor's son. And uh, she said, well, you'll have to come meet my dad. And I said, I don't have to meet anybody's daddy. I'm a Vietnam veteran and I don't have to come meet your daddy to date you. And she said, well, if you want to go out with me, you'll have to come meet my dad. And so I did. Now, we're moving through, we're moving through this, OK, rapidly. I proposed to her in church. It wasn't very well planned, and it wasn't very dramatic. It was a handwritten note in church. I was so excited, my heart was pumping, and I passed her the note asking her to marry me. And she took it and wadded it up and put it away because she was taught not to pass notes in church. And I was impatiently waiting, and I said, read it. And she opened it up and read it. And I was asking her for her hand in marriage. Now, I did a lot of things kind of like that. So she, of course, couldn't give me an answer right away. And um, her parents had quite a bit to say about that to um, So we wrote, I wrote her a couple of letters. We got to see each other just a time or two. but um, not a lot. We didn't know we didn't know anything about courtship, any of that. We didn't know anything about that. But she had a major decision. Before her, and I want you to think about this. She she really felt like God had spoken her heart that she should be a pastor's wife. And I proposed and now I'm going to be a Houston police officer. And the fellow that she was dating was already preaching and doing some preaching and was the son of a pastor. And so she had to really cry out to God for direction and wisdom And she did, and she felt like God had made it very clear that I was the one she was to marry. Now, and I want to make sure that everybody understands, when we got married at 3 o'clock on a Sunday at Ritchie Street Baptist Church in Pasadena, from that she never, ever mentioned to me about her experience with God calling her to be a pastor's wife. She never said anything to me about that ever. And so as we got married, my shift was 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. and it took me an hour to get home. So I get home around 4 a.m. and many often times during the week I would have to I would get home at 4 a.m try to sleep for an hour and a half or so, and then be back in court at downtown Houston at 8 a.m. And so I was extremely sleep-deprived, and we were newlyweds, and we had conflicts. And we had a lot of debates, arguments over things. And so I would come home tired, exhausted from not getting enough rest, And Linda would be waiting up for me and say, we've got to get this settled. And I would say, what I need is rest and I will go to bed. And when we wake, I wake up, then we will talk about it. And she would say, she said this a couple of times, I know for sure once she said, but the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. I said, Linda, the sun has been down for several hours already. And in fact, it's about to be coming up. And so we 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 had a tough first year. It was a very tough first year. She came into the marriage. We did. I'd never heard the word courtship or submission or any Bible teaching on marriage. I'd never had anything, and she had had a little. But she came into the marriage, and I've talked to her about this this week. What does that mean? She came into the marriage believing it was 50-50. That she would get her way about 50% of the time, and I'd get my way about 50% of the time. It's 50-50. And so I started, you know, the conflict, we had good pastor, started growing. I, I hadn't grown. I hadn't been discipled. I hadn't been trained. I hadn't been taught the Word of God. I'd only been saved just a few years. So so all of a sudden, I'm thrust into this situation with a, with a, a wife, and I, I was exhausted, and she was wanting to be reconciled, and we didn't even know how to do that and so it was important so it started growing i started devouring the word of god even though it was a translation that i'm not i don't use today but um i devoured the word of god and i was in in tune with my pastor's messages and i was growing and then someone invited us to a, a a seminar and so we went to this seminar, and I just want to say publicly, we never, ever, ever put Bill Gothard up on a pedestal. I believed he was a man, and he, he was just a man. We never put the red notebook above the Word of God, ever, ever. We took what we thought was beneficial and helpful to us and we applied it. A lot, w- one thing that was so... Reconciliation, how to get right with each other, how to, be, how to clear your conscience, all those things were so vital because I struggled. I was struggling. I was a struggling believer, but I, had, I didn't have a good foundation. And so I was, I was learning... But we never, ever, I've never, ever, ever, I've, we've had relationship with, with people on staff and my kids have been on staff, but I've never stood in line to talk to Mr. Gotham one time in all these years. And he's been to a wedding or two that our kids have had. And, you know, he donated, I don't know if y'all know this, he donated all this black walnut here to this platform but he's a man, and he's human, and so. But we learned, we benefited, and and we grew. We were growing, and um, it was a special time in our lives as as we were getting. I was learning how to get right when I had offended Lyndon when I hurt her. I was learning how to humble myself and ask for forgiveness. Um, it was it was a precious time to grow in the Lord, and, and we were both growing. And uh, uh, at first, when I heard and please, at first when I heard about submission, I used the submission card a lot. Okay, I mean I that was my that was my card. You know, and I really, I really took it out of context and I I really, and she responded, but um, I started learning how to value listening to my wife's heart and understanding her heart. And so here are some things. I've just got a few things. It's not, it's not fancy. It's just Handwritten on a legal pad, just like always. But just a few things, and if any of it will help you or encourage you, but I've said this at weddings, and we believe this. Linda and I talked about it this week. We believe this with all our heart, and I know that anything that we say can be, you know, we can strain and we can. But I really believe between a husband and wife, your relationship with each other in your marriage, will never be any stronger than your relationship and your walk with the Lord. You need to have a walk with the Lord and the deeper your walk with the Lord, the deeper your relationship with your husband or wife. You know, it's amazing. This is pretty, pretty common That one thing most married couples discover pretty quickly after they've been married that that knight in shining armor that storms in your life on a white stallion that came to sweep you off your feet and rescue you from your parents, you discover one day soon that they're another human being with a sin nature and a sin nature and a, and a human being that may or may not be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And many times this human being is very selfish and very um, have temper tantrums and temper and can be moody and snores in the night and wake up the next morning with bad breath. We are human. And our experience in the ministry has been when people do ask about marriage counseling or whatever, Most of the time, it's one person wanting the other person to change more than that first person is saying, how can God change me? So once again, the deeper our walk with the Lord Jesus and deeper we are in the word, I believe and I promise you if you I challenge you. If you say it's not working, I challenge you. The deeper your walk, the the deeper you are in the word, the more sold out you are, the more led by the Holy Spirit you are. God will bring conviction oftentimes in the life of your husband or wife in ways that you could never even dream of. Working silently you may not even realize it. You may not even know it. But will, But God is working in their life, bringing conviction and, and growing them and teaching them and showing them. And they may not be making the progress that you feel like you would like to see made. But be patient. Be patient because God is at work. If they're Christians, and they should be, then you would be amazed at how God is working. He's deepening your walk, and then He will also use them in your life to help conform you, their failures. But this is, I mean, think about this God uses the failures of your husband or wife to help conform us to the image of Christ. and we are we are living in such an instant society we want change now but a day is like a thousand years to the lord and so we have to be careful that we don't waste valuable time and giving up on the other person focus on yourself And the changes that God is wanting to make in your life. And you'll you'll be amazed how he is working in your husband or your wife's life. You just can't even fathom it sometimes. My wife made this comment. I wrote it down the side of my notes here. Only God can change a heart. Only God can change a heart. And we, and this is key. If y'all really need to, we need to learn, and we need to learn this in our relationship in church. We cannot be the other person's Holy Spirit. You can't be the other person. I, I tried, I pushed, I pressured, I, I nagged, trying to change, make the changes. And folks, it's really only God, and we can't, Don't try to be the Holy Spirit. Recognize when you're doing it, ask for forgiveness and pull back and get your heart right with God and let Him do the work. I am convinced of this. I believe that when we try to play the Holy Spirit in other people's lives, God just folded His arms and said, okay, have at it. Let's see how you can do. And then when we release, when we give up and we say, Lord, it's your problem then watch him work. Now husbands, the scripture is clear. Husbands are to love your wives even as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for the church. And there's so many principles, so many things. But you know what we discovered and I discovered? I can't do that. I can't love my wife as Christ loved the church. But he can. And if... And if I am yielded to him and he is living his life through me, amazingly, and it's hard to explain theologically. I know we can, you know, really mentally get into it. But the bottom line is he can do it through us if we will get out of the way. He can love our wives. He wants a yielded vessel. He wants a a, he's the potter. And we're the clay. He wants to use us. He wants to do his spiritual, scriptural things through our lives. But we've got to yield. We've got to get ourselves out of the way. And we've got our get our hands out of it and allow him to do his work. But loving our wives as Christ loved the church, the first thing that probably does pop up in most of our minds is loving unconditionally. Listen, we know each other better than anybody. I mean, I, I would assume we know each other better than anybody that knows each other. I mean, you know, married couples, you know each other. You know more about, you know, the good and the bad. Can you imagine? I, I want to just toss this out and Pastor Will and Pam, y'all think about this. Can you can you imagine what it would be like? You've had your normal week. Does anybody ever agree 100% all week long? No. No. Just go ahead and put, put that to rest. No, we don't always agree. So can you imagine what it would be like to have, you know, the pastor's wife over there? Watching her husband up in the pulpit and, you know, people are clamoring to say, you know, a word to him. And he's proclaiming the word and preaching the word. And, you know, and the wife says, you should have seen him about Wednesday. He was really a sight. I mean, he lost his temper. He yelled at the kids. You know, he kicked dirt. I mean... Can you imagine what that would be like to sit there? And by the way, by the way, a little tip that some wise pulpit committees, when they go out, you know what a pulpit committee. We haven't had one in a while. But um, y'all know what that is. If church needs a pastor, they form a committee and they send them out to hear these different guys preach. You know, a wise pulpit committee, they will not only pay attention to this preacher's sermon, they're going to watch the wife also. She's, you know... Yeah. You should have seen him last week. Boy, he's got a temper. Y'all just don't know it. I mean, so, and here's a wife. She's over there just paying attention, and she's listening and taking notes. I'm so glad my wife's a note taker. It's, it's, she's taking notes, spending, you know, listening, grinning, agreeing, you know, but, Folks, we get the point behind all that is we know each other in the privacy of our homes. And then we come into the public domain. We come into church and, and we know that there are issues and things that we've all dealt with throughout the week. It's just so important to apply husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And and you and even though you say, Well, I, I know that's impossible for me, physically impossible, but you learn how to yield to the Lord. He brings that to your mind. When you have thought. Isn't it amazing? I think it's in Colossians. I didn't look it up, but in Colossians it talks about husbands not being bitter against the wives. You know, it I mean we we have emotions, we have feelings, we have Things and we have issues, and so it's so important that we that we understand certain things. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, reverence your husbands. Nothing nothing means more to the man to feel like he's respected. That he's respected. That you are not diminishing his leadership in the home, but you respect him. For the man that he is, knowing he's not a perfect man, knowing that he's got, he has failures, knowing that that he uh, loses temper from time to time or whatever it might be that, that folks struggle with. But you see, as we grow and as we go through life, you know, God is constantly conforming us and changing us and we are beginning to grow and, and we become more sensitive and more in tune with him and in tune with each other and and you can tell you can tell you can begin to grow and understand and you know when you said something and it might not have been what 15 years ago would have been very harsh it might not be very harsh but you're more sensitive to it today because the lord has worked in your life and you're more careful and you're more aware and you and you are more sensitive you say lord I know I've offended my wife. And so you ask for forgiveness and you clear, you know, ask her for forgiveness. And and of course, my wife's quick response always has been, I've always forgiven you. And by the way, while we're talking about forgiveness, think about this. I, I really don't believe we have to ask for forgiveness. The Lord's already forgiven us. Now, we got forgiven for every, we've been forgiven for every sin at salvation. The asking for forgiveness keeps us in a a walk, our fellowship with him. But to be saved, to be his child, I don't have to keep asking for forgiveness. But I ask for forgiveness because I want to continue my deep walk with him. And, And so we ask for forgiveness. And so it's important to clear our conscience and and know and be sensitive. And we see that pain. We see the joy leave their faces. And so it's important. So it's very special. God uses the relationship in a marriage to conform both the man and the woman, the man and the woman, the husband and the wife, to the very image of Christ. So not being the Holy Spirit uh, in each other's wife, not being super critical of each other, but being open to and listening to each other, learning to love each other through uh, that relationship of growing together, sharing together, your your script, the things God's teaching you, and it's just it's you just begin to grow, and you know you just think I've shared with others so often you know, when we got married in 1970, I really thought I loved her. But I mean, with each passing year, the love just gets greater and greater. It just, it's more than you can imagine. And you think, I just can't believe I can love this much. But it's God doing something in your heart. God making changes in you. And, And it's encouraging to think, that as far off as we have been and I've been mostly, it's amazing how God has changed and worked and continued to make the necessary changes in a a relationship that he sees as very, very important. So let me just kind of, I want to point out something here very, very important. The scripture says in verse 32, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Marriage, I believe marriage is this beautiful dynamic where it just, it, it, it shows, it, it can, a marriage relationship, if we apply scripture to our lives in a marriage and we live it out, then we can show a relationship and we can show biblical truths through our marriage. It's a mystery. It's amazing, the the mystery. So one of the things that that God showed us a long, long time ago, and it's really incredible. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter uh, 13. Marriage can, this earthly Marriage can demonstrate spiritual doctrine to, to, the, to each other. Look at verse 5, chapter 13, the book of Hebrews. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I and look at this, this is I've got this all highlighted and underlined. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee now i don't have to be a great theologian and you know and be able to debate and and all these different things very clearly the bible says marriage is a mystery between christ and his bride he promises that he will never ever Leave us, nor forsake us. In Deuteronomy 31, 8, as Moses was speaking to Joshua, as, And the Lord, he is, it is he that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither, and fear not, and be dismayed, he will neither forsake thee. This is the word to Joshua as he's about to go into the promised land. God will never forsake you. He will never leave you. And so how practically, you know, appropriate when you say, well, let's see, do we believe in divorce or we do not believe in divorce? I don't believe the Bible teaches divorce. And, and people argue about it and we're looking for all the exceptions and all the different things. But isn't it amazing how we hold on to the security of the believer I mean, we we love that doctrine. We love that. I am saved, once saved, and always saved. And the Lord said, He would never leave me nor forsake thee, but in a marriage that is a mystery showing truth to all of us between a husband and wife and Christ and the church, we are many times look for an out so we can be separated from the person that we married. Now, I know that that's a simple, you know, but I'm confident that this is a doctrine that marriage can exemplify and be lived out in front of everyone, the lost and dying world. And it's important that we understand that And even in John 6, 37, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. The security of the believer is a tremendous important doctrine. We we teach it and believe it, but there are people, there are denominations that teach that you can lose your salvation. You can lose that relationship and you can be saved today and be lost tomorrow. We don't believe that. We believe the Bible is very clear. The Lord says once you're saved, you're always saved, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. So it's important that when I married my wife, I learned, and it it wasn't like instantaneous because I had to grow and learn and understand, but I learned that I would never leave her nor forsake her and never walk away from the marriage relationship that God had ordained. And so it's so important. Now, I've often said, you know, she's never considered divorcing me, but she has considered murder a time or two. Um, That is a joke. That is a joke. And I had a lady one time out here in the parking lot chew me out I mean, yelling, screaming, pointing her finger at me out here in this parking lot, telling me you, you make jokes about those th- I'm just saying it's you know it's like I thought about this this morning. You know, Brian was a little bitty guy, and Mrs. Maples was their teacher, and the little kids were you know having class, little children's class, and this one uh, kid said uh, to Brian, he said, you know your daddy's sermons are kind of, you know, kind of hard to get, and, and Brian said. Well, he tries to tell at least one joke every sermon. So that was my one joke, okay. Folks, relationships, isn't it amazing how we can all apply? You know, you just all these things, these promises. God is going to work all things out together for good. Can you imagine a marriage relationship? You just feel like throwing in the towel, throwing it, giving up. And then, and and you've been hurt, and it doesn't mean that people don't get hurt. It doesn't mean that you don't have uh, feelings that uh, that are offended. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that it do, it's not painful from time to time. But you know, if you can be grounded in certain truths that God is going and and don't don't use that and abuse. But but God is going to work all things together for good, and so. Very simply, even if your husband fails or your wife fails, God is working it out for your good. He's working it out for your good, for everyone. And... um, and he says, I will never leave you. Once you get a hold of that and you say, I will never leave you. Look at your wife and in your heart of hearts. And, it, and when the tensions are there and you just, you know, Satan is trying to divide and conquer and he's trying to split up and all this stuff. You say, but God says, I'll never leave you and I'll forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never leave you forsake you." How many times? Folks, if, if we were in God's shoes, how much could we put up with? Think about it. How many times have you asked for forgiveness for the same thing? How many thousands of times in your life? Just over and over and over. Just, Lord, it's me again. It's me again. And it's, oh, by the way, it's the same thing again. And but God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that and and, you know, once you grow, once you begin to really mature, then, you know, then you look up and say, I don't want to offend him. I don't want to sin. I don't want to abuse his grace. I love him too much. He's so faithful. I'm learning to trust him. and Marriage is a perfect classroom for learning to trust. It's a perfect classroom for learning how to trust God in your relationship with each other. So for all of us who are married, praise the Lord. God is at work. Those that are single, I believe that you can apply a lot of these things to your single life. And I am so grateful. You know, I've, I, I know we don't say it enough. But there are some people that we know and that are in our church that would long to be married. We know that. They love, would love to have a family but they've not let that slow them down in the ministry of the Lord. Continue to serve, just faithfully serving the Lord and trusting Him for the next day. So very simply, just remember, in your marriage relationship, in any relationship, pray without ceasing. Never give up because God... Doesn't make any mistakes. He's good all the time. And he writes the final chapters. Praise the Lord that my wife did not give up on me. I promise you, there were times that she could have. And I've never publicly told all, and I never will, but I promise you God is faithful and I'm a a living miracle of his grace. So let's be ready to charge hell with a water gun and be strong and don't fall for the lies and the deceit of the devil because he's out, look, you've heard it for years, His big plan, you know, his big scheme, divide and conquer. He does it in the church. He does it in our homes. Divide and conquer. He does it in our relationships. Divide and conquer. He does it in our nation. Divide and conquer. Just watch out. Be aware. Be alert. And let's be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We Thank you for simple truths that are so profound that we can't even explain them. How to love someone the way you love us. It's just it just seems so overwhelming because we know how much you love us. We know how much you have sacrificed for us. And so we're so thankful, so grateful. We look forward to the days ahead, and I pray that the marriages today and those that are hoping to be married one day, that our marriages could be strong, could be a living example of spiritual truth and doctrine. That help us to see that you promise you would never, that's your word to us, you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, it's so comforting, so reassuring. We're so thankful. So we praise you. We love you. Look forward to what you're going to continue to show us in your word in the days ahead. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.